Omagyanatmirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yenatas Mai Shri Gurve Namaha Siddhantot Palasara Nityarasikam Hamsam Vilasatmakam Odaryatya Sudama Sevakaranam Vishramba Bhakti Param Yachna Yukti Vichakshanam Tagabido Vaishishta Shakya Sada Bande Hamtripurari Namakayatim Shri Bhakti Vedantinam Bande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityanando Sahodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitro Shando Tamonudo Bande Ham Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charanasako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subalapriyo Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haripriye Vancha Kalpataru Vyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Okay, hello everybody. So here we are um, again. Let's see where... Uh, speaking about the... This is the third class on the... Um, that I'm giving on the, uh, the third verse of the Shikshastakam. Which of course is Trinada Pi Sunechena, Tarori Vasahishnuna, Amanina Manadena, Kirtaniya Sadahari. Gumaraj translates it as being humble, like a blade of grass, being more tolerant than a tree, expecting no admiration, yet showing others veneration. One should glorify Hari constantly. So, uh, yeah, this is our third class. Just a brief recap. Um, I kind of went through. Uh, just a little bit about the Shikshastakam and where this verse is found in the context of the Shikshastakam. Oh, I got signed out. Hey, Sham. It says you've been signed out because your account is signed in from another device. Can you guys can you guys hear me? Uh, it looks like it's still going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I got a I got some thing on my <clears throat> screen that said I had been signed out. So, um, but it it seems like okay. So yeah. Sorry. Just a quick recap as we spoke uh, briefly about uh, the Shikshastakam, where this verse is found in the Shikshastakam. So in the context um, of where it's found, being one of you know one of the few things penned directly by uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then, um, and then I went and kind of located the verse uh, where it's found in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, it's found in three places, and we went through uh, each of the three places where it's found. Um, uh, the first place that it's found is is kind of um, in the context of explaining the Harinam 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 Evakabalam verse, and then it's found in um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. Uh, interactions with Raghunath 
Das Goswami in, in Puri, and then it's found again, of course, in the context of the Shikshastakam prayers, which are the very last um, chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we, we talked a little bit about how um, the, the importance and the emphasis um, that's put on the verse just by the sheer fact that it's um, quoted three times. Uh, three is a, a number that something's repeated if, if it's meant to get a lot of attention. We talked about that. We talked a little bit about um, some other, the, the context of those verses. And so today, I think what we'll talk about is um, a little bit about how it relates to this, uh, the progression of bhakti, the stages of bhakti. And um, I'd like to talk a little bit about Rupa and Sanatan because they're, I mean, all the devotees are, are kind of personifications of this third verse, but Rupa and Sanatan, um, they're really like character studies in, t- in humility and tolerance. So anyhow, um, you know, basically there was this emphasis, I'll just kind of get into it, there was this emphasis in the Chaitanya Charitamrita on, on this verse by the fact that it was found three times and then by, you know, by what the characters in the book were saying around the verse, you know, raising my hands, I declare these types of things, bringing really bringing bringing attention to the ver- to this verse, uh, and all these kind of repetitions and and emphasis, um, you know, both by Mahaprabhu and by Krishna Das Kaviraj himself, is because they're saying, you know, pay attention here, um, put your effort and your intellect and your energy. Um, you know, into into cultivating these qualities, into this verse, into understanding this verse. Juan, estoy ocupado para una hora. Sorry. Um, uh, put all your energy here, put your intellect here, um, because this, following this verse is really kind of the, you know, the, the, the path to prema. Um, so in relation to our practice, this verse kind of... Um, it corresponds to the stage of nishta. Um, Gumaraj comments that by chanting in this way, by practicing in this way, applying one's heart to the nam dharma, kirtaniya sadahari, um, kind of within this this ongoing culture of of humility and tolerance, um, that that this stage of nishta is the stage that really kind of kind of um, brings the world to life. Um, one the environment will start to change i mean really what um, more more it's that one's perception of the environment will start to change um because what's going on is you you know when by following this verse and and you know uh, uh, um, applying oneself in the context of this verse you're really bringing kind of your intellect um and your faith together uh in, in thinking, you know, in, in engaging oneself, um, in, in sincerely trying to cultivate these qualities, in sincerely trying to be mindful of, of you know, what it means to, to chant constantly, for example. I mean, perhaps it doesn't actually mean to sit and chant constantly for, for 24 hours, or Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, you know, uh, to... to it means to kind of be paying attention to be what to what you're doing to being being mindful like the buddhists talk a lot about mindfulness into these processes so by doing that what you're doing is you're applying your your intellect and your will in relation to your faith and this kind of combination of the two things um really starts to make one sadhana intense 
Um, and this is this, you know, brings one to the stage of of nishta. And then the the environment starts to change, or or like I said, the one's perception of the environment starts to change. You know, first of all, one sees that the environment is speaking. Uh, um, it's not a you know, just a dead witness to us as the center, but the, the environment starts to come to life and starts to speak, and it starts to give advice. It starts to give, give good advice. Um, it's alive and it's friendly. So this is kind of the stage of nishta where one is really applying one's, oneself in relation to, to this verse and to the culture of, of chanting um, is the stage that brings the world to life. This is where these kind of these goggles of of passion and ignorance, I and mine, greed and and lust, start to um, you know start start to fade. Uh, it's kind of I have a pair of sunglasses. They're polar because here in in Costa Rica the sun is really intense, especially when you're driving. And they're these like polarized sunglasses. I don't know exactly what it means, but Certainly when I'm wearing them, everything is a little bit like nicer, like things are, the colors are a little bit brighter, the greens are a little bit greener, and the sky's a little bit bluer and stuff. And when I take them off, it's like a little bit dull, a little bit duller than seeing through these lenses. And so it's kind of the reverse of what we're talking about here. You know, seeing the world through these these colored lenses of Rajas and Thomas, when that starts to dissipate, when it starts to take off those glasses, then, ah, the world... The world is not less. The world becomes more bright and more um, more alive. So it's a little bit like the reverse of the of the um, of the glasses that I have, you know. So so by doing this, the, the the world is is starting to to come to life, and one starts to realize kind of the depth of what what um, what one is involved in. You know, this is still only the third verse of eight. Uh, third verse of um, Abate, so this kind of uh, Thomas and Rajas are fading, and you're realizing the extent of the subject that you're involved in, and then you start to see it everywhere. Um, like Mahaprabhu started to see see this teaching, see this teaching, teaching everywhere. So, um, I, and at this point, like it's referring to the stage of of nishta we find it in the bhagavat bhagavatam too in, in a series of of famous verses um i think it was bhaktivinoda thakur who really kind of showed the these stages from shraddha to prem in the shikshtash to come of of chaitanya mahaprabhu um but but you know this is the the stage like where rajas and thomas are, are starting to fade um this is also the stage where one is really um starting to deal with kind of the offenses and the durdaivam that was spoken of in the in the second verse um nasta preshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya so so uh nasta preshu abhadreshu means that these things these you know all these kind of um uh what's the word inauspicious things are are destroyed almost completely destroyed at the stage by nityam bhagavata sevaya so this constant service, or in other words, the the kirtaniya sada hari that's spoken of um, in the verse under discussion, and the, the result is described in these verses of the Bhagavatam um, that nasta preshu badreshu the the these inauspicious things are starting to go away. Then uh, bhaktir bhavati naishtiki, right? 
So irrevocable loving service kind of comes comes and 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 furthermore tadadajas tamo baba kama loba deshe. So this 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 kama loba I and mine rajas and tamas these things um, start to fade. These are you know these are the lenses that we generally see the world through. Um, but but when one becomes comes to this stage of offenseless chanting, which this third verse is really describing, it describes the, natu the natural humility of the offenseless chanter, the compassion that, that, that an offenseless chanter has, um, compassion free from envy, I should say, um, the pure heart that you know, is free from false ego, and this respectful attitude towards others. These are the, the, you know, the description of someone who's... who's um, you know, who's chanting offenselessly, one be able, one begins to start to to be able to see clearly, like, like, you know, through through the lens of sattva. So, for Mahaprabhu in this verse, he, you know, is the example of this. For him, the trees began to sp speak. Sorry, the grass began to speak, um, and we see this a lot in advanced devotees. This, this, you know, ad ad advanced devotees are paying attention. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. This, there, you know, this kind of cult. Um, it's not a cultivation anymore, perhaps, but for us, you know, this cultivation of mindfulness, um, which means that, you know, one is mindful. It doesn't mean that one necessarily has to be chanting 24 hours a day. I mean, that's a that's a certainly a laudable and, and great thing to do. But to be mindful of one's one's service, uh, you know, mindful of one's humility and tolerance, these things throughout the day is, is also kind of, um, you know, uh, an, an element of paying attention, which characterizes these these devotees, bhakti or bhavati naishtiki, right? So they're fixed in this. They realize the depth of the subject that that they're involved with. They start seeing it everywhere. We see this in Mahaprabhu. That one of the the kind of nicest examples of this, um, you know, kind of seeing the, this friendly environment, this teaching environment, this good advice everywhere is. Um, excuse me is um later in in the later chapters of the bhagavatam with the um the abadud brahmana he's a great example of this and krishna himself tells the story i guess i suppose it's in the um in the uddhava gita um so it's a it's a you know uh really famous part of of the bhagavatam almost like a second bhagavad gita where krishna himself is giving teachings um so he himself tells the story of this um abadud brahmana um king yadu was encountered, I think, um, he comes across an Abadut wandering around, behaving in all kinds of like um, unusual, unusual ways, ways that he's not used to seeing. Um, but he sees he's, he's you know, he's, um, he's peaceful, he, he has no need for other people, he's without uh, companions, you know, kind of like Shukadev, kind of obviously an exalted personality, but I think he's behaving, this Abadut Brahman is behaving a little bit more in that the sense of an avadut, you know, like Nityananda Prabhu is, is called uh, Nityananda Avadut because often he behaved in kind of unorthodox ways. So King Yadu asks the the um, the avadut Brahman, you know, from you know from where do you get this ecstasy that you can you can you know be as you are and and behave as you are? Where where do you get this you know joyful wandering from? And the the Avadut Brahman replies and said, you know, saying that he 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 gets this ecstasy from the knowledge he 
he received from his 24 gurus. Um, and then it goes through a list of all these different, uh, you know, different things that he considered to be himself, you know, things in the, in the natural world, in the mundane world, in the day-to-day -day world, that because he was, you know, because he, he was paying attention, the world was speaking to him and, and he saw, he saw these 24 things, you know, as, as gurus, much the same way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would see the trees and the grass and whatnot. Um, you know, as as teachers, um, so it's it's a very beautiful section to go 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 through and study, and I, I won't you know go through all twenty four of them, um, but you know just you know basic things like by <clears throat> the you know the earth for example spoke to him, and he learned of of steadiness from the mountains and trees. You know how to be generous, so he also the trees were also speaking to him in the same way that they did to Mahaprabhu. Um, you know, how to live for the sake of others. Um, he learned some examples were like from the moon. He learned uh, from different animals, the, the snake, the moth. He learned from, there's a, a section there where he learns from Pingala, even a prostitute. Um, I always found it interesting because it seems like uh, there's a lot to be learned from prostitutes. Um, it, uh, if if not from their behavior by what to do but by not what to do or whatnot but there's this re it's it's really nice because you see there's this reverence towards them often actually here we see like the story of Pingala is quite famous and even like in the very very beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita um, he quotes a verse by Bilva Mangala Thakur where Bilva Mangala Thakur also had a Pingala in his life but uh, a prostitute who he he saw as his guru um, but her name was Chintamani. Um, so, but it's nice. You see this this kind of um, this vision allows one to respect, uh, you know, have the respect that that we find in this verse where ooh, my chair sank. Um, where we see that, and I remember like uh, quite a you know many many years ago, Prabhupada also had this respect actually in relation to prostitutes. He had a very very liberal. Um, idea about it. There's a really nice purport that Prabhupada um, made speaking about the, you know, how even prostitutes could be great devotees and, and whatnot. So anyhow, and the, the Abhidut Brahman goes on, he even he even sees his own body actually as his guru, something that he learn he learns, you know, is able to draw out a teaching from his own body, um, which is also a nice point that it's, it's, um, you know the body itself is is useful and has a po positive ap application. So we see this in 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 great devotees. Certainly we see it in Gurmaraj. Um, like here we have these two karao trees down down like in the central kind of area in front of the the temple in the main caverns. Very beautiful trees, and one kind of goes like this way, and one kind of goes like that way. And of course, Gumaraj, when he first got here, you know, he saw he saw Gornitai in them, in the shape of their their branches were like the the shapes of the arms of of Gornitai. And um, yeah, an advanced devotee, a devotee who's paying attention, will see this see this everywhere. I, we were in the river once with Gumaraj, and you know, he 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 asked us like we had a. Uh, uh, um, a water turbine to generate electricity you know and he, he asked us like what is this turbine you know he he could see he said it was you know we were kind of guessing what what he meant by it he meant oh this is you know 
the turbine is Shaktiman and the electricity is Shakti. So the, the world becomes alive and, and there's kind of teachings to be drawn everywhere. Um, the glasses have come off, no longer seeing through the lenses of eye and mind. Um, and like Srila Sridharmarsh would say, the, the environment is friendly. Um, you know, there's no more aggressors. Uh, this, you know, and this is a view that's, that, that comes out in this third verse. You know, there's, there's no more aggressors. Everyone is seen as, as a helper. At the very least, you know, when th there's... When, when expanding on the idea of the tree, Bhaktivinoda says, oh, the tree even, you know, even though it's assaulted, cut, aggressed, you know, has someone coming to cut, cut it down, it still gives shade, um, gives its fruits and what like, what, and whatnot, things like that. So one starts to see that, oh, you know, the, the environment is friendly. These are helpers. These people who are coming with aggression, they're actually, you know, exhausting my karma. Um, I had done something in the past that deserved this result, and now these are the bearers of that. So actually, I, I you know, should be thankful towards them. Um, they're helping me burn off my karma. Um, Vrindavan is described this this way, this way too. The environment is friendly. Ahobagyam, ahobagyam, nanda gopa, vrjokasam, yam mitram paramanandam, purna brahma sanatanam. So this this idea of friendly dealings is, you know, at the basis of reality. And one starts to see this when, when, um, when, uh, not, when, how does it start again? When, when these inauspicious things are starting to, to go away. There's, there's very many beautiful, beautiful verses like this where the natural world has come alive. One of my favorite ones, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure why this is one of my favorite verses, but it comes in the, it's 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 a glorification of Shukadev um, by Sutta Goswami, and I thought I would just recite it because it's very nice. It's yam pravra yam pravrajantam anupetam apeta kritiam vipayano viraha kartara ajuhaba putretri tan mayatara taravo binedus tam sarva bhutam hridayam munim anatosmi. And Prabhupada. Um, there's two verses here that, that are uh, pronounced to Sukadev Goswami. They're very, very nice. Prabhupada here, uh, he translates it as, um, let me offer my respectful obeisances unto that great sage, Sukadev Goswami, who can enter the hearts of all. When he went to take up the renounced order of life, sannyas, leaving home without undergoing the sacred dad ceremony, his father, Vyasadev, cried out to him, oh, my son, oh, my son. Indeed, only the trees echoed in response to the bereaved father. So that's one translation of it, but... Um, when you go and you look at Vishwanath's, um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's translation of it, it's really nice. He talks about how actually these trees, um, where, what's the word? These trees, Putretri Tan Maya Taro Taravo Binedus Tam Sarva Bhutam Hidayam Munimat Anatosmi, that these trees were actually crying out in separation also. Um, so they were they were com <laughs> commiserating with Vyasadeva that that Shukadeva had run off into the forest. So there are two different translations of it, and, and Vishwanath makes this really nice point that these trees they weren't just echoing in silence, but they were actually crying out, um, uh, you know, in separation, just like the father Vyasadeva was doing. So anyhow, the the point is just that the the, the world becomes comes alive. Needless to say, the emphasis is given to this verse. Um, it's exceptional. And um, 
So beyond running through the beginning, middle, and, and end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, as we kind of went through, it also you know, goes through the beginning, the middle, and the end of our practice, of our sadhana. Um, you know, in the beginning of bhakti, of course, we know we've le- we know and we've learned that that you know nothing can 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 summon bhakti as bhakti is you know entirely independent. She's her own cause. She's completely free to appear um, wherever she likes. Um, so we know this, but still, these qualities um, they certainly aid kind of in the beginning. The Madhyamadikari is is characterized as as um, being one who discriminates, and it's said that he shows mercy to the innocent, and what tends to ignore people who are antagonistic towards bhakti. So he shows mercy to people who are innocent. Another word for innocent, of course, can can kind of mean humble. It just means that one one is a good candidate or a receptive candidate. So I'm not saying at all that that these qualities of of um, humility and tolerance kind of invoke bhakti because you know there are many people who are humble because because of circumstance you know they might not they're they're humble because they're poor they might not be so hum- humble if they if they win the lottery so i'm not saying you know per se that that these qualities can invoke bhakti but still i mean it's kind of a general feeling everyone knows that these qualities are attractive they're kind of universally accepted attractive qualities um you know, bhakti, bhakti can give her mercy. Any she can give her mercy to a jerk if she wants. You know, that's totally within her prerogative. Um, but generally, you know, just like everyone else, Krishna, bhakti Devi, the devotees—they're all attracted by these nice, these nice qualities of humility, tolerance, and and whatnot. Um, and devotees, of course, are are full of these qualities. Gurmar says says as much in his commentary here on the third verse. He says that. Um, Sincere humility attracts the grace and the sympathy of Sri Krishna. So granted, this is within the context of, of, of sadhana, but still um, there's this idea that uh, humility especially is, is <clears throat> singled out. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, sincere humil- humility attracts the grace and sympathy of Krishna and, and allows actually the, the holy name to stay with one um, despite all the trials and tribulations. The, I wanted to say a little bit about the story about Rupa and Sanatan Goswami um, at this point, because actually they're, it's spoken of in two different times in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but actually in a sense their humility, which is very much you know, a part of bhakti, but their humility drew Mahaprabhu to, the, to them. And it's, it's, it's an interesting story because um, it's on Mahaprabhu's kind of second attempt to go to Vrindavan and it's retold twice in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, Mahaprabhu was going for a second time to to you know a second attempt to go to, to Vrindavan. So this is Mahaprabhu going to Vrindavan. I mean you can imagine the how he would be focused and beeline beeline going towards Vrindavan at his very heart. Um, but he actually did this huge detour to go to Ram Kali. Um, where he ultimately, you know, met with Rupan Sanatan, Mahaprabhu actually said that no one knew. His, this is in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mahaprabhu says actually nobody knew his reasons for why he went to Ram Kali. He said that really he had no business going there because um, it was not on the way, you know, to Vrindavan. But that he came there specifically to see the two brothers. Um, 
Rupa and Sanatan. So this this humility and of of Rupa and Sanatan, their bhakti, actually, you know, drew Mahaprabhu off course from you know pursuing Vrindavan, his very heart. He was drawn off course by the humility of of the humility and bhakti of 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 Rupa and Sanatan, and they had written letters to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu mentions himself, and um, uh, yeah, they had written letters to Mahaprabhu, ex- kind of expressing their heart and showcasing their humility. So their bhakti, but especially their humility, also drew Mahaprabhu to them. And like Gurmaj says in his commentary here on the third verse, this sincere humility attracts the grace and sympathy of the Lord. So what could the position, it makes you think of, you know, the, the position of Rupa and Sanatan, that they could, you know, deflect Mahaprabhu from his path to Vrindavan on his second attempt, um, his very heart, but he was pulled kind of by the magnetism of their love and hu- humility. And it's beautiful to see, you know, the Lord took so much trouble um, to go and see his servants. And this is just one of those beautiful things about bhakti. Um, you know, normally it's the servant that's called. When when the queen rings her bell, it's the servant that comes, you know, comes called to the queen um, and travels to go see her. The, you know, the, the servant travels to go see the master. But in bhakti, um, in the relationship between Krishna and his devotees, actually Krishna is anxious to have have the darshan of his devotees. That's the power of this that you know the um of bhakti and of, of the humility of the devotees um excuse me <clears throat> i was reading like a uh one of um dr obiel kapoor's books on the i think it was on the associates of chaitanya mahaprabhu or the goswamis of vrindavan or something but he he made this it was anyhow the chapter was about sanatan goswami and he was mentioning that um, the actual fact is that he was he was kind of making this point about about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being drawn drawn by the humility of Rupa and Sanatan. And he was mentioning that actually the fact is that Krishna always goes to see the devotee, not the other way around. Um, Krishna doesn't only go to see the devotee to show him mercy, but he actually goes to fulfill his own selfish desires. Like go, Krishna goes to fulfill his own desires. Uh, which are to see the devotee. So he gives the example of Krishna um, going actually to Madhavan, which is which is rather nice, seeing as that's where I live. Um, there's a you know a nice section. Uh, that's Madhavan is actually where uh, Dhruva does his his um, austerities and and uh, and his practice of bhakti. There's a nice verse that says, you know, child, you should go to the forests of Madhavan to do your your practice because the Lord Hari dwells there. Um, but anyhow, uh, he gives the example a little bit later where Krishna actually um, goes to Madhavan not to give darshan to, to Dhruva as the, the culmination of his practice, but actually he goes to, to have the darshan of his devotee. So it, it's a, a very beautiful point that we see um, in, the, in the relationship between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Rupa and Sanatan. You know, Rupa and Sanatan were extremely qualified, um, competent people. They worked for the government, for the Muslim king. They were, you know, they were the prime minister and the, you know, personal secretary or something. And you know, they, they're described as ex- extremely experienced in all all spheres, um, like in education, intelligence, in in physical strength. They were, of course, um, very experienced in bhakti. They were fluent in several languages. Um, 
They were exalted both materially and spiritually, yet, and this is the, the, the description that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives when explaining his verses, uh, you know, this when explaining his verses of the Shikshastakam, especially explaining this third verse, yet, you know, despite being materially and spiritually exalted, they saw themselves as lower than than straw in the street. And, and, and uh, you know, this is kind of the, the, the um, repeating definition of humility that we get over and over, that although very exalted, full of all good qualities and accomplishments, that one who's, you know, truly embodying this feeling of humility will feel oneself un- unqualified. The king, before... So this is this is Mahaprabhu kind of you know was drawn to them, diverted off his path. But meanwhile, going on, the king had asked Rupa Goswami, you know, um, about his opinion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who was this Hindu um, ascetic who was who was causing such a fuss? Um, and of course, Rupa Goswami glorified Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he still at the same time actually showed the utmost respect for the king, the Muslim king. And he, it's there's a, a funny kind of verse, not a funny verse, but. A, it, it it caught my attention when I was reading it that he was still so respectful to the the king that he he actually asked the king you know why are you asking me this it's better that you ask yourself or or ask your own mind because you are the king so you're the representative you're the representative of of Bhagavan so again we see Rupa Goswami kind of always showing respect to others always offering you know, due respect to, to, to everyone and feeling himself very, very lowly. So the two brothers finally decided to go see Mahaprabhu. And um, as is, I guess, culturally customary, they took straw between their teeth. This this word trina comes up, you know, like trinada pisunichana. So they took straw between their teeth. I guess it's a, a, a method of, of showing um, deference and... Um, someone's meowing... Show, uh, showing deference and whatnot. They're described as tying a cloth around their neck. I think I heard Gumash. We got a, a meowing cat. Um, Gumash has kind of described this as like the, the, the begging cloth, the cloth of a sannyasi. So sannyasis wear this uttariya, um, which is 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 actually meant to, to hold out and, and collect alms. So perhaps tying a, a, a cloth around their neck kind of symbolizes, again, it's a, again a, a show of humility, and they fell down, you know, in full dandavats in front of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Dandavats, again, itself is like, you know... <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how, how much it, it comes out in other traditions of hin- Hinduism, but but certainly in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, dandavats is like... a you know, a, a, a prominent thing. So it's one is actually becoming, you know, the like Dandava means stick, right? So one is actually falling down like a stick. One is actually becoming humble, like a blade of grass with one's with one's body. You can imagine you're, you're becoming like one, you know, a little blade of grass on the ground. So they all, you know, they offered him this, this Dandavats. There's a nice story about Dandavats in relation to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. I think, uh, You'll forgive me if I don't have it totally correctly, but Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was going somewhere, and there were two disciples, householder disciples, I think, and it was, you know, really bad weather and muddy, and 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 these devotees, when they saw Bhakti Siddhanta, they got down in the mud and offered him, you know, full dandavats, and I think Bhakti Siddhanta noticed that and and asked them, you know, you didn't have to get, you know, covered in mud 
for me and the, and they, the, the devotees replied that you know their dandavats was their only wealth that that was the the, the only wealth that they had it's a very charming story so um after offering dandavats to chaitanya mahaprabhu rupan sanatan got up and um you know mahaprabhu assured them of course of their good fortune and again they put straw between their teeth and kind of prayed um you know saying they were the lowest of men you know, although, of course, they came from very exalted families, um, they saw themselves as lowest, uh, as the lowest class of men, that no one was as, as fallen as them. They compare themselves to Jagai and Madai, um, you know, saying that Jagai and Madai's deliverance actually didn't require much effort from Mahaprabhu, but their deliverance would require a lot of effort. And it's quite humorous because we, we had just kind of read, I forget when it, when it was, but just recently we had kind of read in the Chaitanya Bhagavat the story of Jagai and Madai, you know, and hearing all the things that they they did. So to hear, you know, Chaitanya, sorry, to hear Rup Goswami and Sanatana Goswami compare themselves to 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 Jagai and Madai, it's it's kind of it's kind of humorous. And in fact, um, just because you see the difference, you know, and so you wonder how could they actually feel this way? They and and not only feeling feeling this way, like they they give Mahaprabhu examples. They say, you know, well, at least. Uh, Jagai and Madai belonged to the Brahmin class, you know, at least Jagai and Madai were Damvasis. They lived in Navadweep, you know, we're not Damvasis. Um, Jagai and Madai never served low-class people, unlike us, Rupa and Sanatan, we've served the, the Muslims and the meat-eaters. So with real earnestness, they were glorifying, you know, Jagai and Madai, which is, is, is funny when you read the story of Jagai and Madai, you would not think that they were, their their behavior before their deliverance was worthy of, you know, of glorification, but somehow or other, you know, because of their humility, Rupa and Sanatana were able to see the good qualities in Jagai and, and Madai. And, you know, instead of listing kind of their faults, they, they only gave one fault. They only kind of said one thing and said, you know, unfortunately, these two were addicted to sinful activities. So, and, you know, Today, now, even this, you know, they were addicted to sinful activities. Now we know addiction, you know, is not even a character fault, really. We understand that addiction is, is, you know, more of some kind of mental illness. We don't see it so much of, as a character flaw. So they end the prayer kind of with the, the idea that if Mahaprabhu does not shower uh, his mercy on them, then, you know, um, it'll be near impossible to find a, a better candidate and, he won't be able to live up to the name Patita Pavana. He won't be able to fulfill his mission. So, uh, so you know, they're showing these extreme kind of examples of humility. Mahaprabhu tells them that they, you know, he tells them that he's they're his eternal servants, and he initiates them. He gives them his the, their new names there, um, Rupa and Sanatan. And then this it's just it's really incredible. Gumaraj quotes this in his in his. Um, you know, he, he quotes the lines in his commentary. It's really incredible, though, though, because Mahaprabhu tells them, actually, you should abandon your humility. It's breaking my heart. So to think of the level of, the, of humility that Rupa and Sanatan were displaying, that Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu's teaching is that one should be more humble than a blade of grass, right? That's what, that's what his teaching is. But Rupa and Sanatan were showing such a level of humility that Mahaprabhu actually asked them to you know, to abandon their humility as it's breaking his heart. 
So it's 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 hard to imagine the, that this quality. When the story is retold again, it's it's told I think in uh, Madhilio chapter one in the, the later pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's like a synopsis, and then it's retold again in the sixteenth chapter. And Mahaprabhu again incredibly says, you know, like um, that, you know, their humility is such that it could melt stone. He 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 really emphasizes um, the humility and and um, respectful nature finding you know offering respect to all others and whatnot in in rupa and sanatan and they're they're really like character studies of the third verse if you you know the third verse i mean every devotee is you can look at um krishnas kaviraj himself many many devotees are are the personification of this verse this verse is the description of an offenseless chanter so certainly any advanced devotee will be the personification of this verse. But there's something very special about Rupa and Sanatan, especially with the, the, the response that Mahaprabhu said, asking them to give up their humility. Guru Maharaj, you know, like I said, he cites these remarks of Mahaprabhu um, and this high type of, of humility. He, 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 he cites it in his book. And um, he says that, you know, this, is, this intensity of humility carries the sadhaka into perfection and remains with them forever. Um, you know, this is a humility that can melt stone, and and also, of course, it not like stone, but it can melt uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart. That's as he says as much. The humilities of these two brothers could melt stone, and therefore he says after because you you have this level of humility, your humility could melt stone, and because of this, therefore, um, I'm very pleased with you. He says. And he tells them, although you are very exalted, you consider yourself inferior. And because of this, so kind of underline, because of this attitude, Krishna will very soon deliver you. So you just see how much these qualities of the third verse are, are you know, embedded in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, and, and, well, I'll read, I, I wanted to read Prabhupada's purport just on this because, you know, it's it's interesting to, to, to hear that, Mahaprabhu says this, you know, that that because of this, Krishna will deliver you very, very soon. Because of this humility and this tolerance. Prabhupada says, um, well, the verse here, Mahaprabhu is speaking, he says, Indeed, the humility of these two brothers could even melt stone, because I was very pleased with their behavior. So we see Mahaprabhu is pleased by humility. That's, you know, humility is not, humility is a special one, but you know, we hear these qualities are not directly bhakti. They're not shakshad bhakti, but tad, uh, uh, I forget the, the word, I have it down somewhere, but they're not directly, but still, we Mahaprabhu himself here says, you know, he is very pleased with the, the, this behavior. I told them, although you are both very much exalted, you consider yourself inferior. And because of this, Krishna will very soon deliver you. Prabhupada says, such are the qualifications of a pure devotee. Materially, one may be very opulent, experienced, influential, and educated. But if one still thinks oneself lower than straw in the street, one attracts the attention of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Lord Krishna. So if one, if one thinks oneself lower than the straw in the street, one attracts the attention of Sri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Lord Sri Krishna. Although Maharaj Prataparudra was a king, and he took up a broom to cleanse the road for Lord Jagannath's wrath, because of this humble service, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very pleased with the king and for that reason embraced him. It could all, you could also kind of say, you know, like, 
because Tripurari Maharaj spent his days in airports and bus stations, you know, de delivering, uh, because because our Guru Maharaj, you know, took this very humble position of like, I mean, not loitering, but like spending days in waiting rooms in airports and bus stations, doing the service of distributing books. He was he was very much blessed by by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There, there's a really nice verse that in in a, a, a song that Sham Sundar wrote that you know because Guru Maharaj had pleased Prabhupada and served the Sankirtan movement by doing this humble service. Now he's blessed, and the demigods are showering flowers at his feet. Very nice verse. Anyhow, according to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions, a devotee should never be puffed up by material power. He should know that material power is the result of one's past good activities and is consequently transient. At any moment, all one's material opulence can be finished. Therefore, a devotee is never proud of such op opulence. And then here, he says, he is always humble and meek, con considering himself lower than a piece of straw. Because of this, the devotees are eligible to return home, back to Godhead. So, um, the emphasis is given, given there again. So, I started this all, all off by talking about how how um, you know this had drawn the, 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 this these qualities kind of draw the sympathy um, of the holy name and how they they drew Mahaprabhu to Rupa and Sanatan. You know, and, and and I I had forgotten the word, but I have it written down here. It's worth mentioning that the four qualities um, you know they are distinguished from the last line in the verse. So we have. Humility, tolerance, lack of pratishta, and offering other offering honor to others. These are distinguished from the last line, which is kirtanaya sadahari, you know, the constant glorification, um, the 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 constant glorification of Hari. Because these verses, they're not in in and of themselves directly bhakti, but they are favorable to bhakti. While the constant chanting of Hari um, is directly bhakti. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur distinguishes even the nishta in relation to these two things. So we're speaking of nishta. There's nishta in relation to the, the four qualities given, and there's nishta in relation to the constant chanting of the holy name. So it could get a little bit tricky. I mean, I don't want to get into it. You could have somebody who's, you know, fixed in chanting the holy name, but perhaps not fixed in the in in um, the practice of the four qualities. And But, you know, really, the, they go hand in hand, because in order to be an offenseless chanter, in order to be able to stay in the association of devotees, which is the only way to become an offenseless chanter, uh, these qualities really are necessary. But uh, the word I was looking for is is in relation to um, the qualities that are not directly bhakti, tad anukula vastu vartini nishta. So that's nishta in relation to the qualities that are favorable. And then there's shakshad bhakti vartini nishta. So nishta in relation to the actual chanting. Um, so, but among these, uh, like I've mentioned several times, humility is noted as being very, very close, actually, if not an inherent characteristic of bhakti itself. I'll get into that more later, maybe in the next class, um, the, the final class, uh, I'm going to go through line by line and speak a little bit about, uh, you know, humility, the, the lower end and the higher end of humility and all the wonderful things about grass and then you know the second verse would be the kind of lower and higher ends of tolerance and all the wonderful things about trees we'll go through it line by line and i can get into that a little bit later but actually when it comes down to it um humility 
is is very much uh, uh, an essential component of, of bhakti itself. But going back to the beginning, I was speaking of how this uh, this verse kind of as it threads as it as it's found in the beginning, middle, and end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's found in the beginning, middle, and end um, of our practice. So in one sense, these are very favorable qualities um, at the beginning. Um, it, you know. We, we find them at the very beginning, even in the, the kind of the idea, the very first thing, which is surrender to the guru, guru padashraya. It starts, um, then, you know, uh, this is from Rupa Goswami, as he says, guru padashraya. So kind of from whatever angle, submission, whatever, whatever angle you look at it, submission to the guru, um, require, you know, or submission to the teachings of the guru also, require these four things you can, we can think about it a little bit you know to 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 humble one one must humble oneself before the guru um tolerance is involved lack of pratishta all these things all these qualities are are uh, essential to being able to do guru padashraya so um you know uh submission to the guru it, it requires humility um at the very least, one sh has to show humility uh, before the teachings, at least theoretically. Prabhupada makes a kind of nice point in the beginning of, in his introduction to the Bhagavad Gita, where he, he says, like, kind of along these lines, he says, at least theoretically, you know, accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that you can read this book in that frame, you know, in that frame of mind and really get out what's in there. So it's, it's you know, at least in relation to... Um, if, at least theoretically in relation to the teachings you have to uh, uh, humble yourself and of course one you know has to humble oneself before the bearer of Krishna Nam um, one must humble oneself before the guru in order to really benefit from from you know what the guru has to teach because one has to come to the point of realizing you know in order to really take advantage of of the teachings of the guru is, you know, one has to kind of come to the point to re uh, realize that that one cannot figure this out all on their own. You know that that um, and this is a, natu a very natural kind of humble position to be in that you can't figure it out on uh, all on your own. And you know we see this um, again in Sanatan Goswami when Sanatan Goswami again another case study in humility. You know when he went. The, the, the basic story is that after, you know, kind of a long and arduous journey, um, after escaping prison, um, you know, uh, basically kind of being, a, you know, in many ways, the, taking on the position of a refugee, uh, you know, fleeing from his incarceration and the oppression from, you know, from uh, his, former, his, his former employment, um, but, you know, a refugee in the highest sense of the word in, the, in that he was ultimately seeking refuge at the feet of Mahaprabhu. He, he, go, he goes to meet him and finally, um, you know, uh, um, comes in, in touch with him in Varanasi. And he goes to the house of Chandrasekhar Acharya and he sits down at the front door and doesn't even go in. So we see again, you know, his feelings of humility um, in this act. He had already been blessed by Mahaprabhu. He had already been, you know, received full blessings of Mahaprabhu in the you know, in the previous story that I had told, but still he felt himself um, undeserving and lowly and, and, you know, he didn't kind of like go straight in the door. You know, Sanatana Goswami was the prime minister. Um, so, he, you know, he used to have all kinds of important people waiting in line at his door, hoping even just for a brief, you know, a brief moment of his time, a brief audience. 
Um, and now here we see him himself feeling so unworthy that he couldn't even, you know, knock on the door. So he sat down outside of the door of, of Chandrasekhar Acharya. And of course, Mahaprabhu and his omniscience knew that he was there. So again, we're seeing this kind of bhakti and humility going hand in hand. Absence of bhakti, sorry, ab absence of humility means absence of bhakti, really. Bhakti is referred to um, as, the, as, as the mother of humility. Even if a devotee's... Um, you know, really great. They, they consider themselves very small. A devotee could be very pure and they'll refer to themselves as, as very impure. Um, you know, the devotees are the reservoirs of bhakti, yet when we hear great devotees speak, they speak as if they have no bhakti. There's not, no one closer to the, to the, the heart of the Lord. Um, you know, and yet we see like Sanatana Goswami here hesitates to knock on the door. Um, and, the, you know, these are not forced, uh, forced things. These are kind of the natural emotions of the devotee. Um, so, we, so, so, Mahaprabhu, so finally, Mahaprabhu and Sanatana Goswami, they meet, they embrace. We, over and over again, we see the humility shown by Sanatana Goswami, only accepting, you know, old torn cloth from Tapan Mishra. Um, he exchanged, you know, he gets rid of his, 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 quilt, his fancy quilted um, cloth, which was actually only a gift. I mean, he didn't go out and, and, and search it out. It just came to him of, of its own accord. But still, he, he, he gifted the quilt to a, a poor man. And, and um, you know, he, he was only, only going on Madhukari begging for his food. You know, this is someone who probably, you know, used to eat state banquets, ba banquets as, as the prime minister, only going on Madhukari. And, but, but the point I'm making is that he you know, he humbled his, himself before Mahaprabhu, like one, sh you know, one does in the beginning of one's spiritual life. And, you know, he, he, like, one, like, like Arjuna does in front of Krishna also, when one realizes that, you know, by one's uh, own personal strength or intelligence or whatever, he can't sort it out. Um, he humbles himself in front of his Guru Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he, you know, he asks these, he, these famous verses come where he asks these, these, you know, important existential questions. Who am I? Why am I suffering? Why are the threefold miseries giving me trouble? And actually, you know, I don't, actually, I don't even know how to inquire about the goal of life, let alone, excuse me, pursue it. So we see, again, Sanatana Goswami, um, you know, exemplifying this kind of humility that one would find um, in the beginning of, of one's spiritual life. Um, Arjuna does it like I had mentioned and you know so so there's this humbling oneself in front of the bear of Krishna Nam, humbling oneself in front of the knowledge that that the guru has and of course there's also you know tolerance in, in this in relation to to surrendering oneself to the guru because you know after surrendering to the guru he'll give um, you know uh, instructions and activities to do and, and, and instructions and activities not to do also. Um, you know, which actually may require a lot of, to you know, lo a lot of tolerance, um, you know, whether it be, it could be hard work, like chopping wood, carrying water, digging trenches or whatever, or, or it can even just be the, the tolerance that's needed to live communally in the ashram of the guru. So we see, you know, uh, tolerance is also very much needed at the very beginning of our practice. You know, so th this is a stage of bhajana kriya going up through an anartha nivriti, and it, it's, it, it, you know, primarily dealing with these anarthas and these misplaced kind of values and offenses, you know, 
they, they, they're what prevent the, the full face of, of um, you know, of the holy name from making our appearance, from making an appearance. So in the kind of, you know, going up from the, the kind of initial faith and surrender to the guru, going up into the stages of actually practicing mindfully uh, the, the, the teachings and activities recommended by the guru, the stage of bhajana kriya and anarta nivritti. I mean, again, this is like, this verse is like the, you know, the, 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 I don't know what the right word would be, but like the, you know, the shield or the tool or, or whatever, the weapons to deal with all of one's, you know, all of this inauspiciousness that we're carrying with us, that's really preventing us from, from going forward. So, you know, in the middle of our spiritual life, which is, you know, generally for, for most would be this, this period of dealing with our anarthas and whatnot. This is kind of like the tool in order to, to deal with it. Of course, the four qualities and the, and the constant chanting. It's, it's really the constant chanting that does it. But like I've, I've said, that can only happen in the context kind of, of, of sadhu sangha and these four qualities. So, you know, there are many, many categories of, um, of anarthas, I mean, there's like, it could be, I'm sure it could be several seminars, several classes of, of all the different things that we have to deal with from anarthas to um, offenses. Um, Bhaktivinoda gives, gives a nice list. Um, you know, he says there's four defects of the heart. Um, there's the four offenses, thirst for material objects, the four illusions about spiritual wisdom. So like the four defects of the heart would be attachment um, to you know, attachment to objects unrelated to Krishna, the propensity to find fault in others, envy and pratishta, which is is very much the root. There's the nam aparads, the save aparads. There's Vaishnava aparad, jiva aparad. Um, you know, there's and, and then on top of that, there's just even our own, all of our own desires. Um, and then there's you know also distorted and illusion, um, distorted and and illusions about spiritual wisdom so it's a whole ball of wax it's a whole big tangle you know um that basically sadhana's is dealing with um and this is kind of what mahaprabhu is, is feeling in the second verse lamenting the unfortunate position that he has durdaivam of not being able to kind of realize you know the significance and magnificence of the holy name because of these offenses so um you know he speaks the second verse with uh with humility and lamentation and guru Maharaj comments that the, the sadhakas should feel like this. So, um, so in the middle, you know, in this kind of middle section of our practice where we're more really involved in the sadhana, you know, Gumaraj has, has said, you know, the, the sadhaka in our sadhana should feel like this. Humili he says, humility and the desire to overcome anarthas do not cause them to disappear immediately, but they attract the sympathy and the grace of Krishna. So again, these there's there's an attraction to this verse. We all we all find people who, you know, we all find these qualities attractive. As does Guru Krishna Bhakti Devi and whatnot. So this verse really is is kind of the defense against all these obstacles. These demon, you know, they're personified as demons in 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 the scripture and arthas. It's 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 the way to remove all of the offenses so that you know one can chant the holy name by by cultivating the four devotional traits mentioned here the four qualities um it'll be much easier to always chant because the qualities are necessary like i said for non-stop chanting 
which is the prescription for, for offenseless chanting. And, and they allow us to stay in Sadhu Sangha. And, um, you know, out of all the offenses, I guess it's worth, worth mentioning um, the worst offense of all, which is, is Vaishnava Aparad, the mad elephant offense, um, offense against the devotees. It's the most serious of them. Um, in the scripture, it's referred to the mad elephant offense because it can go and totally stomp or uproot the, the bhakti lata bij, the little sprout, little plant of bhakti that it's, it's referred to. Here, it might be the mad cow <laughs> offense because here our cows can you know very quickly destroy a garden that a lot of time and effort was put into. But, it, but anyhow, it, it said that you know there's no other way to protect oneself against this this offense of Vaishnava Aparad than to fence off one's Bhakti Lata Bij with kind of like the shield of this verse. So so the idea being kind of one would build, you know, metaphorically, metaphorically, we have our Bhakti Lata Bij that we're trying to cultivate and we the way to protect it from the the, the mad cows or the mad elephants would to be build a wall of humility you know, and and with a wall, with a fence around a garden, you have to put posts to keep it up. So those posts would be, you know, these these um, you know these the posts would be be made from the the trees of tolerance, the branches from the trees of tolerance. So you put up a fence of humility, stake it down with the trees of tolerance, and protect one's one's vine of devotion by giving honor to others all around the circumference of this thing. So these are defenses against um, committing Vaishnava Aparad. So if you're constantly glorifying others from left to right, up and down, this is like, uh, you know, protecting the circumference on all sides and then sprinkle the plant with the, the, the hearing, the water of the hearing and chanting of the holy name. So, so we can see it's in, invaluable in the beginning and um, this verse the verse is invaluable in the middle, and also it's invaluable in the end of bhakti. Um, in bhakti, there is no, in a sense, there is no end. The, the beginning is just a refined version, kind of, of, of the end. Um, you know, nothing retires upon achieving the goal in bhakti, basically. Not like karma, yoga, or gyan. But so it's there in the end as well. Um, but maybe I'll stop there. I didn't get as far as I wanted to, but it's been an hour and um, it's 10.30 now. So I'll just stop there. Next class, maybe we can go very quickly with how, how this verse kind of applies um, in the end of our practice or in the perfection. More, more we'll see it in the examples of, of great devotees like Krishna's Kaviraj and whatnot, how this verse um, is there in the end. Like, like all the verses of the Shikshasakam, they refer to particular stages of bhakti, but it's not that one ever becomes um, useless or discarded as one goes forward. The first verse is useful in the beginning as much as it is in the end, and, and every verse is useful for every devotee at whatever stage they're at. It'll just be kind of, you know, looked at from, from a different position. So, yeah, that's that. I'll, I'll finish on the, on the last... You know the, how how it how this verse kind of makes its appearance in the, in the kind of perfection of sadhana, and then in the following, and then I'll go through each line verse by verse and and speak a little bit about the um, the analogies and and the lower higher and lower 
elements of them. So I'll end there and I'll thank you very much for, for your attention and everything. Um, if anybody has any questions or corrections or comments that they would like to make, uh, let me know. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. It was nice seeing you all. Oh, yeah, one thing I wanted to say. I don't know if you guys saw, but um, on Facebook, we put, a, we put out a, a little poster because for, for um, Balaram Purnima um, and Krishna Janmashtami and Nandotsava, we're going to be having a festival here at Madhavan. We just had a festival in you know December, January, February. It was really, really great. Um, and so now we're going to have another one. Padmanam Maharaj will be coming, and um, he'll be giving classes, of course, on the lead up to the appearance of Krishna, Balaram's appearance as well, and um, also a seminar on actualizing our relationship with with the holy name. So it should be very interesting. It's a really nice time of year here because it's very green. Um, Daujikund will be uh, flowing and everything. So I in, wanted to invite everybody. If you if you're interested, send me an email and um, consider coming here for John Mastami. Okay. Haribo, Haribo.